0: Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Schechter. Thank you so much for being here. This is a great episode with my guest, Carden Raven, who is a somatic uh, therapist and body worker. And we get into some really interesting content. Um, I actually got really vulnerable on this episode about some aspects of my own healing journey and how somatic practices have helped me really... Um, work through some of that stuff and be more resourced um, to better deal with it. We also get into what somatic practice means, how to start feeling more joy and embodied presence, how to move out of nervous system dysregulation, how we change our experience based on awareness of what we're marinating in and that's actually a sort of a practice that Cardin shares with us that was really awesome. Um, How to build a somatic window of tolerance to stay present no matter what's happening. How somatic practices help us experience more joy. How healing is a nonlinear process and the real connection between physical touch and therapy, you know, what, what body work really means. So I'm really appreciative to Cardin for his time and expertise on this one, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode as well. This is The Vital Point, um, the podcast about transformational practice, where we really want to give our audience um, some usable tips and tricks and tools so that they can go out and um, add things to their practice or be inspired to maybe check out some new uh, modalities, some new teachers. And I'm super excited about my guest today. His name is Carden Rabin. He is an outstanding somatic um, therapist. What else, how else would you describe yourself Cardin?
1: Uh, you know, somatic therapist is a good start. I'm a body worker uh, that does uh, trauma and uh, psycho-emotionally and neurologically informed work and therapy to help people uh, get through chronic pain and
0: uh, other chronic diseases. Awesome. That is quite the mouthful. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for there. doing the work that you're doing. It's, it's really important work. Thank you. And I've been following Cardin for quite some time, um, you know, my, my background is more mindfulness based. Um, I've been practicing meditation for about 20 years. And it wasn't until about three years ago that when I started going through my own kind of spiritual awakening, that somatic practices really jumped into the forefront. And I started to see like how how powerful they were and where I was shortchanging myself by like having this very mindfulness based approach where, you know, the mind could just conquer everything and um, and all of a sudden my body was like letting me know like, no, that's not really true. (laughs) There's a whole nother world in here. (laughs) You know,
1: I want to give credit to, uh, to, you know, on the mindfulness front and to Buddhist practice and esoteric practice that I think that it's only in the very recent past, especially in the West, that the um, embodied aspect of mindfulness was kind of disassociated and separated out from it. and so, yeah, I think there's a lot of meditative and mindful practitioners in the West that have come to it from a pure mindfulness, a pure witness standpoint, a very thought centric standpoint, maybe at most there's some breath involved. Um, but when you really look at, you know, uh, the totality of what kind of Buddhist mindfulness practice is and the, and the more, uh, you know, uh, physical aspects, it was always meant to be a total organism thing.
0: Right yeah and I think that that was where my some of my breakdowns started to happen because i I had this whole toolbox of resources you know that I knew how to go to and, and use when I was agitated, when I was angry, when I was feeling um, thoughts or sensations come up that you know weren't necessarily what I wanted to where I wanted to be, but all of a sudden, as I started to do this healing work there was somatic stuff coming up that was just completely overwhelming. And the worst, it wasn't, that wasn't the worst part of it. I mean, that was pretty bad. But the worst part of it for me was that none of those mindfulness tools and resources came anywhere close to touching them. You know, like I could, I was used to sitting with, with emotions and sitting with feelings and watching them change and move and, and break up over time, especially yeah. as I like could apply those mindfulness tools. but in this case, I was just sitting there like completely overwhelmed in like this little fetal ball, screaming and crying wow. and, and wow. just not not having any clue what to do, and just being <laughs> super super scared because it was like, well wait i've been using these tools for the last twenty years they've they, it's created this framework that like informs my life and um, my beliefs and how I look at the world, and all of a sudden. I'm now confronted what? with this right this completely alien landscape where nothing nothing is happening.
1: Yeah, yeah You know, I think that for, for everyone listening you know, I, If you don't know what somatics means uh, Soma simply means body so somatics means of the body and kind of I think in the more uh, Recent past last five or ten years. So somatics is as a word has been around since the 70s But it's really become more part of popular discourse more recently And it refers to, you know, body-based practices. Um, And in in the context of, I think, of our conversation, um, the the brain and consciousness um, extends much further than just what you're classically aware of in terms of thoughts, narrative, analytics, uh, internal conversation. And that the felt experience of the body, sensations, emotions, um, tensions, lack of tension, um, nervous energy, that all of that stuff happening in the body, in the Soma, is actually a complete and total expression of consciousness, it's not something else and it's not separate from the mind. And so when you are in a classic mindfulness practice that's simply about observing thought and maybe observing sensations in the body, Um, It's almost acting as if the stuff that's happening in the body is not part of your consciousness and Then when stuff that does come up from the body and by the way, usually what's coming up from the body are uh, Memories experiences responses in the brain That just exist as I like to say at a different level of your neurology than your classic prefrontal cortex thoughts and it sounds, you know, like you, your, med- your meditation practice got so deep and stuff started to come up. What do we mean stuff started to come up? Memories, experiences, sensations, responses that were very old and were very young mm-hmm. that tend to have a much more embodied experience than a mental experience. And a lot of folks are like, oh, geez, what do I do now? Right.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. In, in my experience, it was going through sort of this, this transformation. And the way I like to describe it is I started to thaw out. You know, I had all these ways that I had learned how to cope and, and numb myself from feeling certain things, you know, uh, things with the way that I ate and drinking alcohol and, you know, um, binging on TV or internet, you know, all these things that like were, were keeping me distracted. And all of a sudden, I was spending more time you know, whether it was by design of like, hey, I want to change this habit, I want to live healthier, um, or I'm going to go and, you know, do a plant medicine ceremony, specifically to try to heal and, and you know, be, become more whole. And so the way I describe it is, I started to thaw. And mm. as I started to thaw these, these uh, somatic uh, memories, these somatic flashbacks started to bubble up and started to th- come to the surface because they weren't frozen anymore and I wasn't spending all this time subconsciously like suppressing them and pushing them down. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like, whoa, what the heck am I supposed to do with all this stuff? So, you know, um, people like yourself and, and other folks that are really pushing um, the benefits and really like shouting the gospel of like, hey, bottom up therapy is really, really helpful and can really, um, get to these things in a way that strictly mindfulness, you know, just attacks yeah. in a different, in a different way. Um, and, has, and they has totally been...
1: ultimately work together.
0: Right? Yeah. They really, right. Really, really do. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Hold on one second. Calm abiding
0: and Oh, wait, wait, uh, insight. special insight. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So yeah. The, the the two pillars, calm abiding mm-hmm. and, and insight, um, you know, I learned that stuff from Stephen Cope in his book uh, Yoga and the Quest for True Self. And in your classic esoteric way of, you know, discovering inwards, you need to cultivate both insight and calm abiding. And that's the language for the mindful insight into what's going on. But the calm abiding is the embodied or somatic container and ability to experience and handle and process what's coming up. Right. And if we have not cultivated our ability to feel our bodies, find safety in our bodies, and know that the things that rise up in our bodies aren't mortal dangers, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's very dysregulating. And so, in, you know, in my work, when, when we start with somatics, literally the first task is to train people to feel again. Yeah. Because most of our lives, we have been trained not to feel, either by never being rewarded for it, never being encouraged, a cultural bias towards thinking, analysis, rationality. And then also, since a lot of what we felt was painful, well, the, you know, you're, you're a smart organism. You're like, I don't want to feel any of that pain. I'm going to repress it. Right. And so the, so you know often, as a body worker for, fifth, for 11 years before I got into this stuff it gives me a little bit of an advantage right i have other colleagues that try to work with somatics and trauma that started off in a psychological background mm-hmm. and um they they have more of a challenge in helping people feel because they started with the mind instead of the body right. but yeah just getting people to feel um people most people either feel pain or nothing that's what most people feel in their body. <laughs> They either feel nothing or they feel pain. And developing the nuance to actually start feeling is where we start. And we also want to help them try to feel things that are good in their body again. Yeah. And then we kind of go from there. But it starts with just like, let's work on feeling again.
0: Yeah. So you you touched on two things that I, I really think are key and I, I'd like to highlight. The first one being that, Mindfulness and somatic practices are not completely separate, and that they can work so wonderfully together. And that's definitely been my experience of, as as I've gotten, you know, I'm I'm going on like my third year now of working with a somatic experiencing therapist, and I more and more, I feel like. That work is enriched by my mindfulness practice, by my awareness. You know, like I'm able to center myself, I'm able to ground myself, and I'm able to be present with whatever is coming up.
1: You know, Mm -hmm. whether that's
0: uncomfortable, whether that's joyful, um, or you know, anywhere on the spectrum. And so that's that's just a wonderful thing, and it's it's something that I used to find very. Uh, like borderline triggering when I would see people's marketing of like somatics are better than mindfulness or you know breath work is better than meditation or it had like I'm selling you my thing so I have to put down this other thing yeah even though it's like hey people have been using this for thousands of years successfully so maybe we could incorporate it and integrate it into what we're doing (laughs) (laughs) weird right (laughs) And,
1: and Uh, and, and no part of your organism and no part of your brain Doesn't serve a purpose. It's about Mm. it's right. It's about bringing harmony, access, integration, and right. And we just usually with folks, we need to work on where the deficit is.
0: Yeah. So then the other thing that I liked that you said was people are used to feeling nothing or pain, and I think that that's in my in my practice. It's been such a wonderful development of like not only are we going to get in there and we're going to you know (laughs) dig out the the gunk and the stuff that's stuck and the stuff that you know is is triggering me and and keeping me from being present you know today but we're also going to like learn what that joy feels like Mm. what happiness feels like when when i am present when i am still when i am connecting with um i think what you've been posting at lately as like the true self when i can connect with that part what does it feel like what does it feel like in my body um you know how does it feel in my inner landscape so that when those feelings are coming up in my daily life, I can stop and track them. So it's not just, Hey, we noticed that there's something wrong here and now we're going to put our attention on it to fix it. It's also like, Hey, check out what's going on over here. This is awesome. Let's do more of that.
1: Uh, I'm so glad you said that because the, one of the biggest gifts a human being can give to themselves is allowing themselves to marinate that's the word i use to marinate in what feels good because mm. we do the opposite right? right anxiety and worry for example is the marination in in sh- in bad shit that hasn't happened yet and may not happen right so it's like way to go by by worrying for 10 <laughs> minutes You have allowed your body, your cells, your nervous system, your hormones, your and everything, everything just marinated in um, either fight or flight or maybe a freeze response. And that's what we just dwelled in. And also, that's why we don't want to feel our body because that doesn't feel very good. Right. Right. So then helping someone then, for example, one of my favorite things and maybe, you know, I know you like um, I'm just going to give a practice right now. Yeah. Awesome. And. And give a practice to everyone. And if you're on our live right now, I encourage you to just follow along for one moment. I call this the being appreciated practice, which is very distinct from a gratitude practice. So just close your eyes for a moment, friends. And the objective is not to relax. The objective is to simply notice how your body is feeling right now. And we can be pretty broad. You know, Do we feel easeful, or do we feel kind of constricted? Is our breath open or closed? Is it easy to be present, or are we being pulled in lots of different directions? And just taking this brief little snapshot, last little thing is on a scale of 1 to 10, Ten being you're the most anxious you could possibly be. One being you're, you know, floating off, floating in the the waters of Bali, you know, drinking like a juice. Just give yourself a little rating. And now all I would love you to do as you're noticing your body is bring to mind the most recent experience. It can be big or small of someone appreciating you. It literally could have been holding the door open at the bank for someone who was coming in, and they look at you and smile and say, thank you. It could be an email or a letter or a voicemail. Just find one instance of someone appreciating you. And I want you to slow down that memory like an instant replay, like a touchdown pass. And while noticing your body, I want you to, in slow-mo, experience that moment where that appreciation registers in your body. Hmm. And just be curious and notice what it feels like in the body to allow yourself to marinate in the simple experience of someone appreciating you. And for the next 30 seconds, maybe replay The slow-mo, instant replay, another time or two. And see if your breath can allow the body experience, whether it's warmth or a little bit of joy or ease, can it expand as you marinate here for another 30 seconds. What a lovely gift to allow yourself to feel appreciation. Mm-hmm. Thank you for participating in that mini practice there. How'd That's that great. feel for you?
0: It felt great. Um, yeah, I was, there was a couple of different memories that came up. Uh, definitely a lot of warmth um, in my body, and I and I noticed, I noticed this thing that that happens to me in my sessions, that um, that we've that that I've worked with with my therapist, which is like getting overwhelmed in a positive way, versus mm. like being being like sort of in the Goldilocks zone, you know. Like I feel like I, I've learned that I can get overwhelmed by, let's call it negative emotion, right? Like based on trauma that happened in my past that some, somewhere in my body it's like saying, hey, this feels familiar. This is reminding me of something. So I'm going to react it with the same amount of danger and, and be on guard. But there's also this like feeling of like almost overwhelm in the positive. Like somebody saying mm-hmm. like, hey, thank you. And not, not somebody random at the bank, but like my, my partner or mm-hmm. like my, or my mother, or somebody that's really important in my life, really sharing something outstanding with me. And like going into an overwhelm where I'm just like crying, and um, you know, I've had these experiences where like, within the somatic work, we'll go into that memory, and the first time it's just like, the Oof. water works, right. And then we kind of pendulate with it, and then there's like nothing, Mm-hmm. And I'm just observing it. And I'm like, wow, where's this? There's this absence of nothing. And then somehow we can land right in the middle where it's like, I can feel it, I can hold it, but it's not completely overwhelming my nervous system one way or the other. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I, I observed a little of that coming up, like the, the, the tears and that, like that, that gratitude, joy, just kind of like presence coming up. But I was able to just like watch it without completely getting taken away by it
1: yeah well thanks for sharing that that that, that level of sophistication there um i, I want to say two things for you and for the the folks that are with us um one welcome to your first somatics practice folks if you haven't done <laughs> it before right which is simply the allowing yourself to experience the felt experience of something right like this happened right for example when when someone says um thank you to you, usually you don't experience the somatic impact of the thank you. You just go, Mm. ah, sure, you're welcome, no problem, right? You you cut right through it, and you just respond verbally, you don't let yourself feel thank you. On the Mm. other hand, if someone says um, something like, I really didn't like what you did to me, or you fucked that thing up, you feel that like a thunderbolt. (laughs) Someone gives you a negative piece of feedback, you're hyper familiar with how that feels, um, so just consider that you unfortunately have a high level of somatic relationship to negativity, but a very low level of somatic relationship to positivity. Right. So, so let's, let's just talk about that. And then secondly, in terms of um, what was just shared about uh, getting overwhelmed by positive emotions, is if we've been mainly not feeling for a long time, and we're asked to feel, um, it can get very big and very overwhelming quickly. And so some of the work of somatics is, and somatic experiencing, which is the therapy practice that we've been talking about, is to bring what we call a window of tolerance, to allow yourself to experience both positive and negative emotions within a framework that doesn't dysregulate you, doesn't knock you on your ass, or doesn't send you, you know, crazy high. In fact, catharsis, in, good, in my opinion, in good trauma work and in good somatics, catharsis is never the goal, because um, catharsis can be very dysregulating. It happens sometimes, but also catharsis tends not to be sustainable, because mm-hmm. catharsis is not inside this window of experience. Um, And so, yeah, learning how to feel really positive emotion and really negative emotion without getting thrown out of the window is part of the skill in uh, just inhabiting
0: yourself. Yeah, that's that's a lot. And I I, I would think that there's probably a lot of people out there that are like similar to me, where just like you said, we're so we're so used to dealing with the negativity and the negative and and our body being adjusted to that environment then on the flip side that positive can seem like kind of foreign it's like it's hey, also what is
1: foreign and dangerous right something unfamiliar mm. is dangerous and also here's another thing is that well, we've been avoiding the positive because usually in our past, the positive became coupled with something dangerous or negative, or it was mm-hmm. going to get taken away. So it's like, in the same way that someone who might like, someone who has their heart broken is like, I'm never going to become totally in love again because I will, I, I will do. This is the subconscious, but they're like, I'm going to do anything to never feel that again. Mm-hmm. So people are often usually afraid or they've built this kind of scar tissue around positive experience because they are conditioned from childhood to assume that inevitably positive experience is going to lead
0: to pain. <laughs> the stick's coming right after the carrot. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's powerful.
1: And then as an adult, though, you can, train, you, you can learn, wow, I'll, I can handle – First of all, the the, the stick's not always going to follow the carrot. That's right. something from the past. Yeah. And and when the inevitable stick does fall, you are a resilient, mindful, capable, um, self-nurturing agent adult that is willing to navigate and deal with pain when it happens, so that you can, in the meantime, experience joy and positivity. Mm-hmm. Is In that wonderful TED talk by Brene Brown, you know, I think her OG one that knocked her into the stratosphere was about how in an effort to never feel vulnerable, we shut down the neurological pathways that lead to feeling and we lose both positive and negative feeling. We just become disassociated because you can't selectively decide you're either feeling or not feeling, right? Or you're feeling just pain and danger and nothing else and you have to be willing to feel both to have it all.
0: Mm. You know, it it reminds me of like those charts that you see um, uh, where the more extreme ends of the spectrum become basically the same, right? So just like you said, you know, hey, we're shutting ourselves down from this harm, but if we're also shutting ourselves down from the positive, from the joy, what difference is that? We're just shutting ourselves out from life's experience. Totally. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you because I, I am in a little bit of a, I don't want to say unique, but you know, you, you mentioned like, hey, uh, the responses that you gave or the way you experienced that exercise um, showed your, your your experience level with it, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that I struggle with a little bit as like wanting to provide somatic awareness um, Knowledge and exercises for my audience or for the people that i'm working with directly um, but i'm Constantly having to like sort of check myself and remember like hey um, I've been doing this for a while. So how do I like take it back? You know take it back take it back take it back to where it's accessible for somebody that's coming in for the first time that you know hasn't been meditating for a while or is like actively in their process mm. um, so you know you gave such a great uh, exercise there. What are some other things that people can do to really get started
1: yeah' that 's a, that's a good question so um, I, my, my some of my foundational stuff that I love the most um, one of them is the five senses meditation, um, depending on time, I could lead that, but five senses meditation is a free resource that Um, I have uh, in my Lincoln bio and Instagram. And, you know, it's not proprietary to me. It's simply a a tour of the five senses. Mm -hmm. And almost I've I've never met a person that can't do it. And I've almost never met a person that doesn't uh, appreciate it. And I'll even put it in this context. When I really started the five senses meditation is I would lead retreats for uh, veterans through the Wounded Warrior Project and almost all of them had some level of PTSD and classic mindfulness was not their cup of tea because eyes closed and going inwards meant danger, danger to them because their entire experience you know in Iraq and Afghanistan was about being outwardly aware for danger yeah so the two things that worked remarkably well for my veterans one is we would do the 5 senses, meditation, eyes opened or closed. And when they were allowed to deeply indulge the senses that keep them alive, because that's what your senses do, my friends. But because we were either, you know, we were in a safe environment, their five senses, by rotating through them, would then naturally inform them that they were calm and safe. They didn't have to try to be calm and safe. Their five senses said, scanning, scanning, scanning. Oh, fine, fine, fine. Ooh, good, good, good. So, I think the five senses meditation is a brilliant introduction. Um, the second level that the that they responded to in particular, and that I think historically is a great sort of uh, cheat. Uh, It's kind of a wax on, wax off, like Mr. Miyagi approach to getting in. Like you're doing it without realizing you're doing it. And someone needs to tell you you're doing it later to realize you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But things like the melt method, yoga tune-up, the Yamana technique. I have um, a curriculum called uh, Roll That Stress Out. Essentially, um, practices that are self-body work. Um, especially mindful self body work where it's not just like let's roll out your quadriceps. It's, for example, <laughs> we're going to ro- we're, we're use the roller on our hips for a few minutes and then we're going to pause before we do the other side. And I simply want you to deeply notice for about 30 seconds. How does your right hip feel versus your left hip? And without fail, that person starts to develop this pretty cool connection with their somatic self again, and also notice differences, notice subtlety, notice contrast, um, and those techniques are profoundly regulating for the nervous system. Um, they eventually need to be consciously connected because the the self body work itself is, let's just say, it needs to be connected to mindfulness. It needs to be integrated later. Sure. I think the five senses meditation. I think the appreciation, self-appreciation process we did a little earlier and um, uh, self, self-guided forms of body work like the Melt Method, Yoga Tune Up, Yamana, and my stuff are great ways to get people started.
0: Thank you for sharing those. That's, that's really awesome. I had um, Amy Dublay on the podcast a while back, and I was like, so how do you start with somatic awareness? And she was like, whoa, whoa, hold on you're assuming that awareness is where we're starting. <laughs> she was like, how about, you know, how about just shifting your weight from one side to the other and being aware of it? And I was like, yeah. well, okay. You're like, we're, we're really taking it back to the g- ground zero. Right.
1: Super foundational.
0: Um, but yeah, I, I love that you mentioned, you know, bringing your, your, my, in my experience, the more awareness we're building, even if it is that unconscious and it's not like, hey, th- this is what we're doing, it ends up um, impacting and bleeding into those more um, you know, purposeful, those more intentional pr- practices. Totally.
1: Uh, this is a non-linear process, friends. It's yeah. non-linear no matter how linear we want it to be. And uh, connections happen when they're meant to happen.
0: Um, period my right now like um so i'm i'm still in the process of um rehabbing shoulder surgery and i'm going to the physical therapist three times a week and they stretch my arm out and what i was reading and and every time they go wow you you know you're you're doing so much better and you've see how much your range has gone up and is is this easier for you oh yeah and i was reading about it and they were talking about how that whole Practice that whole exercise is not like stretching before you work out. It's not to get the muscle warm and ready to like lift weights. It's literally to tell your body on this very deep subconscious level see, you can do this. Right. Mm. You're completely, po- you're, this is completely within <clears throat> your power to raise your arm, to move it in this way. I know you forgot. And you're pretending that you can't do it because there was danger and, 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 you know, not a lack of safety in this movement before, but we're good now. And it's such a, it's such a wonderful, like, wow, like our, 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 our internal systems are so complex that like, you know, that there that we have to work on these different levels. Well, what altogether. you just
1: said is, is music to my ears. Um, like, you know, again, I was a body worker for a long time. I still am before I got into the trauma informed work. And um, the reason why I made, I was successful in my body work practice, um, where other people weren't right, like, I've, people would wind up at my clinic because they would tried all the things, right. Mm. And the, the biggest distinction is that I always know that I am working on a nervous system and a brain, right? Here, guys, just a little newsflash. Your nervous system and your skin arrive, arise from the same germ layer of the embryo, right? So it's called the ectoderm. There's an, there's an endoderm, a mesoderm, and an ectoderm, these three little – imagine it's like a seed. It literally is like a seed. And the ectoderm is first around, it's even before the embryo, it's basically the cell wall of a new baby uh, cell. And that's the skin. The cell wall of a baby cell becomes the skin of the baby. And at a couple weeks into development, the skin of the cell goes inwards and divides it in half and becomes the brain and the spinal cord. Okay? Wow. Your skin. Precedes your brain in development. Your hmm. skin precedes your brain in development, and one could say that your brain is the result of you having fucking skin, okay? <laughs> and the reason why that makes sense is that in a cell, um, the in, in a single-celled uh, organism like an amoeba, where did it need nervous system? Where did it need information? It needed it on the cell cell wall where it bumped into stuff, right? Right. So when, when a body worker is putting their hands on a client and they're m- taking the body through movement, they're putting sensory information into it, they're not working on muscles, they're not working on fascia, they're not stretching out blah 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 blah. What they're actually doing is they're having a kinesthetic informational exchange with your brain through your skin And depending on the skill and quality of that information exchange, that kinesthetic conversation, your brain is going to make decisions about what your body can and can't do. So after your shoulder injury, your brain made a very important decision. This thing just got hurt. We're not going fucking anywhere for a little bit. right? Right. And then a skilled PT knows it's not about really stretching tissue or strengthening fascia or muscle it's about having a conversation with the brain that this thing can do that again yeah so that's what we're doing with really skilled bodywork
0: yeah it's it's an incredible process to just be witnessing not you know let alone experiencing it first first hand you know because it's like it's at this point where um like up here i'm totally on board i know i'm healing i can feel myself getting stronger every day but there's this internal force that's like, uh, we're not safe yet, <laughs> right. we're, you know? Um, and it's just so incredible to, to witness that. You know, I, I, had a, I had this experience a couple of weeks ago where they had me start this new exercise where I'm like moving my arm up the wall. And my PT came over, you know, after I had done a couple of reps, and he said, how does that feel? And I said, it feels fucking scary. Uh-huh. It feels like my arm, like something's gonna snap. Yeah, and he was like, "Hey, I totally understand, and that's totally normal. Just so you know, when we're lying on the table, like we were five minutes ago, I'm stretching you twice as far as you're going on your own. Mm. So you're not in danger. I know it feels that way, but like, just keep doing the exercises because we're going a lot further, and you're you can you have the ability to go a lot further." And, and we're getting there. Like, this did is that, all normal. This is part of the process. Like, you're doing great. Did that Not, make a difference for you? Oh, my God. Like, I, I've, I've shared with so many people that the little things that this physical therapist is doing in that way, it to me, is like almost more helpful than the actual physical therapy. It is. Um, you know, here's another example. Um, he... He had uh, a client of his come in with his son. His son a year earlier had the same surgery as me. He put the kid up on the table and said, look, let me move his arm. Let me show you how his range of motion is completely back. Mm. Uh, Guy was a baseball player. You playing baseball again? Oh yeah. Any issues on, on the field? Nope, feel great. So like, not only like here, see, here's an example of somebody that's, you know, eight months ahead of you and look at how great they're doing, but also I'm just gonna let you guys hang out for a few minutes so you can talk to him. And that, like, I kept replaying that moment like for like a week. Whenever I would start to, it became a resource. Whenever Mm -hmm. I started to feel uh, overwhelmed, when I started to feel discouraged, when I started to feel like, fuck, this isn't going anywhere. I thought of this kid and I thought of his arm moving and I thought this is going to be me as long as I keep doing the work. So, you know, I, I, that, that, that idea of having these resources is definitely something that I've learned within my SE practice that like did not exist before um, in the same way. So yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a learning process and it's something that, um, that, you know, I'm just taking a day at a time and, and it's been so profound for me that it's like, I want to share this with other people. You know, like, I, I, do you have the experience where, you know, there's, there's a certain level of like um, things that people are experiencing where you can just see it? You know, like they come to, to talk to you and they're like, hey, I've got this problem. I, I know I've seen it in some of your reels where people are like, I have this pain, I have this, I have that, and you're like, have you tried this? No, 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 no. Um, and then once they start doing that, it's like this magic change. It's, it's the
1: joy of my life.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that is probably one of the most wonderful things about trauma. You know, I don't know your background, but it just seems like so many people that are working in this field are working in it because of their own transformation, because of the benefit that it's given to them. And then it's like you have no choice but to be like, okay, well now I have to help somebody else. I have to pay this forward. Yeah. Because it's I don't want to I don't want to see other people suffering the way that I was.
1: Yeah. yeah. There really is often this this experience of that when you have that transformation, when you access that way of 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 healing that I don't want to say you get evangelical, but it's like, wow, I've, I've found something that relieved my suffering. And then if you all of a sudden start recognizing that su- same suffering in others, um, you want to help, you want to share. Um, I think that's a beautiful thing about human beings.
0: Yeah. Well, Carden, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge and your wisdom and and for sharing the the practice that you did with us today. And I'm definitely going to link to that five senses meditation um, on the show page so people can check that out. Um, Tell us uh, where people can get a hold of you. I know you got a new program coming out, right? Yeah, so
1: so uh, you know the 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 real best place is just at Cardin Raven on Instagram. So Instagram is where most of my presence is. I do have a website, which is CardinRaven.com. Um, I have an I have a lovely clinic in the Berkshires in West Stockbridge, Massachusetts. It's called Boundless. So I kind of have these. I have this um, brick and mortar uh, place where I work with people, and then but it's amazing, you know, because of COVID and stuff like that. So much has taken uh, root on the internet. Um, And uh, besides besides the free resources that are out there, I run two group coaching programs. And they're called hybrid group coaching programs. One is called Pain School. And Pain School has a lot to do with what we've been talking about today. But chronic pain usually has its roots in the brain and the nervous system, in dysregulation, um, and conditioned responses to stimulus. So, you know, again, we were talking about you got a surgery on your shoulder and you've had to really re-educate your brain and nervous system, not so much the tissue. And so Pain School is a revolutionary program inspired by John Sarno, Howard Schibner, Alan Gordon, really the leaders in the, what we call the neuroplastic pain space. And I do it with my colleague, Charlie Merrill. And it's a 12-week program, live group coaching program where we help people permanently get out of pain. Um, and then I have a second program that I run with Jennifer Mann called Chronic Fatigue School, CFS School. And it works with a lot of the same principles, um, but it is a brain retraining and trauma, somatic-informed trauma course for helping people recover from CFS, fibro, ME, POTS, and some other um, nervous system dysregulation diseases. and. Um you can always DM me about those things but that's 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 what I do.
0: Awesome man. I really appreciate your time and and really appreciate what you're doing and mm-hmm. uh I love your content. You make fantastic reels. Um thank and Thank you. Thank you. you thank know, you. Uh, awesome. I think that's a it's a good skill, you know? Like I feel like being able to do something that's entertaining but also like has value and like you know, somebody wants to act on is a super awesome skill. To have. You know,
1: it's, it's actually a real joy. It's one of the ways I find joy, because, you know, when you do this work, you're dealing with pain and trauma. And, you know, it's, it's beautiful mm-hmm. work, but it can be hard work. And in high school and college, my passion was video making. And I then stopped doing that for almost 17 years. And then I was like, wait, I can go on the internet and just like make <laughs> fun educational videos. And like it fills my, I like, think I have so much fun doing it and then it helps. It's, 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 a, it's a win-win.
0: Awesome. And,
1: and maybe in a couple of months, uh, we should get together again and talk about some other stuff.
0: I would love it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so again, I really appreciate your time. Um, I'm trying this new thing since we started, since I changed the name of the podcast to the yeah. vital point where I wanted to kind of reflect and sort of sum up like what the vital point is that we talked about today. So maybe I can try that and and you can see how how well I did. Oh yeah, um,
1: you, you go for it.
0: Um, yeah. So the 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 vital point um, from today about somatic practice is getting in touch with our bodies, um, with getting reacclimated with um, not only. Um, being able to hold discomfort, but being familiar with feelings of comfort and joy and safety, and finding ways to cultivate that in our practice, um, so that we can recognize it during our the rest of our life, not just when we're specifically sitting down to, to practice and work.
1: I think that's a perfect vital point. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, awesome. So thank you so much for your time. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. And if you're listening to this on, um, you know, the replay on podcast, um, please like and follow and subscribe and all the things depending on what platform you're uh, listening on. And uh, we'll be back next week with another awesome episode of The Vital Point. Thank you so much to everybody that joined us live. And thank you immensely. Carden.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for everyone. Sabrina, thank you. And um, to be continued. Yeah. Keep on healing, everyone.
0: Awesome. Be Thanks, excited. pardon. Bye. Cheers. Thanks for checking out another episode of the podcast. I hope that you not only enjoyed it, but that you feel inspired to go and do some practice of your own. You know, whether that is something that is a part of your Regular routine like meditation or breath work, or trying something new like uh, taking an ice bath or starting a new mindset practice. Maybe you feel curious to something that you've been called to try. You know, working with a new teacher, a new facilitator, or maybe even working with uh, psychedelics or plant medicine in whatever way is safe and legal for you where you live my hope is that you are curious and continue to expand your transformational practice and that this podcast inspires you to continue doing that. As always, if you can follow or subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on, it definitely helps. And if you can leave a review, even just a few reviews really help to push the podcast up in the algorithm and help make it more visible to more people. I'd love it if you shared it with your friends, if you're finding it valuable or interesting. As always, follow me at Blue Magic Alchemy on Instagram, all one word. And if you're interested in learning more about breath work or you'd like support integrating or preparing for self development transformational practice, reach out to me at bluemagicalchemy at gmail.com or at Instagram to set up a discovery call for Instagram coaching. Until next time, thank you, be well, and keep practicing. That's the vital point.